Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Midweek edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more, as always, at googlestore.com. As always, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in season, it's Chris Sim. I'm here. Along with me, Mike Flora. You know, I never say, I rarely say who we are. I feel like I've done this not that long ago. Yeah, it was, it was, it was called last week. It was together. called last week. Was it last week? Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. I'm embracing it. Once I learned I about elder that. abuse, right. <laughs> I am embracing my eventual 60th birthday because at that point, I was texting with Rodney Harrison the other day, and I told him, I've learned about elder abuse, so I'm going to be even worse when I turn 60 than I am now. And he said, you know what? I believe you. <laughs> and so, so uh, I will be protected against any and all physical violence, including from you and from Rodney, although I don't see Rodney very often. But when I do, he sneaks up behind oh, me. Oh, he's like, the worst. He is the, oh, he, he hits people. Like, forget, like, yes. you get on me about, you know, putting my hands on you and, and manhandling you a little bit. Rodney, you got to watch out, like, Two things he's obsessed. He loves blindsiding people and like kind of trying to take you to the ground. And then the other thing is he has this like incredible flexibility. So if you hang around him, you'll turn around every now and then and his foot will be in your face like he's finished a, like a karate kick. And he's, he's always messing around. So, yeah, and he's not the guy, the guy that you want to mess around with back because you're like he might flip a switch. You know, because he is kind of like he's kind of got that angry pit bull look about him, right? Where you're like, hey, he's a cute little nice doggy until he's not, and then he's latched onto my arm and he can snap like that. That's what I. That's how I deal with Rodney right there. <laughs> See, I've never gotten that vibe from him. Maybe because I'm not a quarterback. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he reserves Maybe. that vibe for guys like you. And I remember very early on. This is like 2010, 2011 time frame. I saw Rodney do something as he was moving that almost 
felt like an optical illusion to me, and it underscores that professional athletes are constituted differently than normal human beings. Especially like guys like that. He shifted in a way, yeah. and he moved, oh, and he yeah. did something, and it's like it was a superhero. It was like a blur. Right. <laughs> like, where'd he go? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, I, hey, he's he 50, got me. he's 50 or close to it and he's still rocked up and like you touch his body or shoulders or anything like that. Yeah, those guys are freaks of nature. Safeties who can fly around like human missiles and you know, knock out receivers and all that. Those are like not the guys you want to mess with on the football team. Pound for pound, hey. they're like the craziest and some of the strongest guys on the on the team. On that note, on that note, yeah. I had to make a phone call during the games on Sunday. I missed some of the Vikings-Bills game. How dare I? Yeah. And I was wandering around back near the dressing rooms that they have set up at the NBC Sports Studios, and Tim Howard just kind of flashed by me, and we nodded to each other. He yeah. He didn't know who the hell I am. He's just one of those guys that nods at everybody because everybody knows who he is. Right. And he had just like a T-shirt, a sleeveless T-shirt on. That guy, I would not mess with that He's guy. Pretty I would potentially, He's pretty right. You're right. I would potentially take him like plus 150 against Rodney because he's like 43. He's younger. A little younger. Rodney. But he's, but he's, he's that guy, that guy looks like he could, he could mix it up in the secondary. Yeah, I, I think I interviewed him on Dan Patrick's show years ago with the idea, hey, would you want to be a kicker in the NFL? Screw kicker. But make him make him a strong safety. He'll mess somebody up. He he does have that type of body. I, I don't disagree with you. You're right. You know, but I'm I'm not gonna go against crazy Rodney Harrison no matter what. <laughs> All right, other thing that's on my mind today, okay? Little Captain Planet's on the mind here. Eight billion people, huh? I mean eight billion people. Does not, why doesn't anybody find it weird? Did you hear about this? Uh, yesterday we reached 8 billion people as a world population. Oh, I didn't know. Well, Do they have like a count? Like is each one? Yeah, makes, like today was the day. Or, or yesterday oh, hey, they were literally 7 like. 7,999,999,999. Well, oh, you just missed it. Sorry, Timmy. Well, it wasn't like New Year's or anything like that. But I think they know by the average amount of babies and people that are born on the day that yesterday was the day they were going to surpass it. And I don't know. It's just weird to me. Doesn't know why does nobody find it weird that in the history of the planet, the history of the planet all the way up until 1980, there was four billion people, and then here in 40 years we've added another four billion people to the planet. How does that sustainable work? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just Captain Planet, and it's a weird one to me. And it just it's, blame all the blame all the Barry White records, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, and, and idiots like Elon Musk who are saying like, hey, we're here to. We're here to reproduce. Uh, and, uh, no, like Earth is literally trying to stop us to reproduce, like literally trying hey. to stop. I mean, we got people hey. limp everywhere hey. and people can't do it the old traditional way and get pregnant anymore. But we got eight billion people like that. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> yeah. OK. You didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, we, we're doing a two-for-one swap, so you can't blame me. <laughs> You're just doing replacement beings, two-for-two. Two. <laughs> look, I didn't, I didn't realize that, that the, uh, they, they put the you know, $8 billion on the McDonald's sign yesterday, but uh, I guess that's a problem. See, I'll be dead. In about 50 Oh, that's years, the problem with your age anymore. group. That's the problem. That's the answer yeah. from everybody in your uh, uh, You guys are screwed when I'm gone. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. You can't have it both ways, 
youngster. You can't bust my chops for being old and then expect me to have the mindset that I would have if I was 21. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. All right. Well, you could care. You could care about your son and where the earth is. I'll like be going. dead. All right. I'll have bigger problems. Uh, well, I no, trouble. you won't. You have no tr- problems. You'll be lying in a <laughs> damn ditch. You have no problems. And life will be easy. Lying in a ditch. I'll be dead. Well, yeah. I'll that's be, what I mean. You said I have bigger problems. You got no problems. Well, right, but I, I I had this conversation with my wife 20 years or so ago when we were talking about the concept of life insurance, hmm. and I I got down the wrong path because my attitude was, why do I want to pay for that? Well, what do you mean? Well, why do I want to pay for it? I'll be dead. Like, like I don't care at that point. That was a mistake. Well, you, you think? <laughs> I mean, man, damn. Was, I don't care about you or the, or the kid. I'll I'm be sorry. dead. I'm dead. I'll be dead. I'm dead. Jeez. It can't get anywhere. No matter what happens after I'm gone, you're still alive. You have it infinitely better than I'll have it. I'm dead. Like that would seem to be the bigger issue than how much money you get when I'm dead. And, and it's funny because every once in a while, even, even now that I'll fly and not think twice about it. And I don't know what happened to me in 2014 ish where like 30 years of I'm not flying just went away 20 years, something like that just kind of went away. And I don't think about it anymore. I never think about it, but every once in a while when I'm sitting on the plane, I, I I do the calculation of what the damages for the wrongful death lawsuit would be if the pilot's drunk or whatever, and the plane crashes or there's something, whatever the liability would be. Happy thoughts. Yeah. But, but I start doing the math based on, you know, earnings and value the business and and it just everything that would go into it. And and it's like, man, I'm worth a hell of a lot more dead than alive. Like yeah. they, they'd be having a hell of a party here. Come on, Jill. That happened. Come on, Jill. It Figure quite, it out. It would be quite a settlement. The the uh, the the lawyer that I used to be would very much love to represent my estate if one of those planes goes down. So that's the ultimate life insurance for her uh, if it comes to it. But we have since I did give in. We do have life insurance. Okay. All right. Good. I didn't expect so it to I'll go there. I'm just talking about 8 billion population. You went into freaking life insurance well, and death and all well, that. Jeez. In the event, in the event it drops to seven nine 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 nine, my family will be very well taken care of, and I'll be dead. All right. All right let's get to it. The <laughs> Speaking of guys who are almost dead, Aaron Rodgers, uh, team was almost dead. That's what I'm going for. Not him literally dying. The team was dead. Let me just be clear on that. Uh the Packers got the win after five straight losses, and Rodgers, speaking with reporters yesterday, usually does it on Wednesday, but this is that screwy short week. He's trying to get that thumb ready to go, get it rehabbed. He hasn't been practicing all Wednesdays. Now he's playing on a Thursday. Here he is from yesterday talking about whether or not the team's offense, based upon what we saw on Sunday, is morphing into the thing that he envisioned it to be. Have a listen. I don't know. I mean, I think there's overreactions, you know, negatively and positively every single game you play. And uh, no offense, Tim, but, you know, like you haven't been the only one who's talked about sustainability and certain ways of winning and playing. Um, I think it's all week to week. It really is. You know, we, you know, you, you try and find your identity throughout the season. A lot of that is, you know, kind of just jargon to keep the conversation going. Uh, in fact, the most important identity is competitive greatness and going out there and playing your best when your best is needed. We hadn't played a four-quarter game uh, all season. I felt like that was really close uh, Sunday. Really proud of the guys, the way we finished in the fourth quarter and then put together a good drive in overtime. But uh, I don't know. I mean, 
Do you have uh, ideas about how things are going to be, I think, when the season starts? But you don't know what's going to happen injury-wise and play style and which guy's going to play really good and which guys are going to struggle maybe a little bit. Um, I think we all were hoping for a performance like that out of nine. You know, I'm excited for him. Uh, but obviously not having 87 out there is, is uh, you know, taking some, some opportunities away from our offense. But if we can get Kabi back, that'd be a big lift. The consistent players that we've had in this league have been behind me in the backfield. You know, Jonesy's had a great season and AJ's been playing really well. So we got to keep riding those guys. I wonder what you have to do to actually earn a name from Aaron Rodgers. Nine and eighty-seven then becomes Cobby and Jonesy. Yeah, well, Randall you gotta Cobb you gotta be Aaron there. That, that's that's typical. That's typical in a locker room. It is. Sometimes your rookies don't get a name, or they're only called by a nickname until they're, you know, they they earn that first year. There was like that. I used to tell young guys in the offseason, like, hey, you, you got to make the team, and then I'll remember your name. That's how we'll do it. Because I had nicknames for everybody, too. You got 90 guys in the locker room one day. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I don't know everybody. So you're like, hey, Utah. Hey, Utah, come over here. Hey, hey, you know, big dude, big dude. Yeah, you, Blockhead, come over here. Hey, Blockhead, hey, I like you. Let's talk, Blockhead. You know, I mean, that's wait how it works. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how big would someone's head have to be for you to call him block? Well, you know, in the NFL, there's there's some big heads out there. You know that for sure. Some of those oh, offensive linemen, but the, they got cinder blocks. They don't even got brains in there. They just got a big stone head. <laughs> so, yeah, but, that, you know, that goes the, on. But what occurred to me while he was yeah. explaining that, and here's the reality. Whatever your plans are that are – carefully or haphazardly as the case may be made in the off season, when it's time to play games that count, it is a blur. Yeah. It, a lot happens, but you really don't have many opportunities to go out there and hone your offensive craft. You get what? Seven, eight drives a game. If you're lucky, right? Is that, is that a good number of drives in a game? Seven, seven eight, nine? Yeah, know? right around like, there. And, and if you're sputtering, you're not getting many drives at all, and you're yeah. on the sideline trying to figure it out, and then you go back out, and you three and out, and what the hell's wrong, and the game's getting out of control, and you start getting desperate, ditch the running game, heavy on the pass because you're down by 17. I mean, it, it makes it hard to have the kind of continuity that you would like to have and build one game on another, on another, on another, but – the Packers finally looked a lot like what they want to be because they did get great running out of Jonesy and they got great catching and running out of nine. Nine, against yeah. Against the Cowboys on Sunday. Now we'll see if they can do it on a short week. That's going to be the key. Short week turnaround. I already mentioned the thumb for Aaron Rodgers. Will he be good to go Thursday night? But they got a good team coming in for a primetime game and we'll see. They get this next one, though. Makes that game in Philadelphia week 12 very interesting. Great yeah. addition to the Thanksgiving weekend slate. Green Bay at Philadelphia if the Packers win on Thursday night. And even if they don't, we, we just saw the Eagles struggle with the Commanders. We could see them struggle with the Packers. Yeah, too. sure, sure. No, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the, the, the Green Bay thing and, and what you're talking with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you're right. It is hard. It's hard when you're not there at OTAs. It's hard in training camp, right? Because it's it's limited, even though it's still a lot of practice and all that. But to your point too, it's not time on the field where wait, we're it's not a controlled environment anymore. We're not getting a lot of preseason snaps together. That bleeds over into the regular season now, where you're trying to figure that stuff out through the month of September. And then, like Roger said, you get an injury or two. 
you know, added to the fact of a guy like Christian Watson was already a rookie and kind of raw, and then he gets injured. Oh, wait, now we got to kick the can down the road. It's another few more weeks before he can contribute to the football team. So, you know, that's, that's where it is tough, and especially in their situation up in Green Bay. And then Rodgers, you know, I mean, that question there, do you, is this what the, off, you, the offense you envision? Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, obviously not. That was the answer to that. I mean, he would have been like, yeah, that was close. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I'm not sold on this Green Bay offense's fix by any stretch of the imagination. They made some plays the other day. There's no doubt they ran the ball fantastic. And it looks like, hey, maybe they continue to, to be able to run the ball like that. But we've seen, like, yeah, they did it against Buffalo. Buffalo, it was the fourth quarter. They were playing pass defense. Von Miller talked about that. And we were seeing that maybe Buffalo's run defense isn't all that we thought it was. You know, it's kind of all over the place a little bit. And then, you know, of course, what they did in this game against Dallas was special. But the other thing with Dallas, too, and when you're a well-coached running team, they're a small defense, Dallas. I mean, they really only got one run stopper. They're one D, other D tackles, 280 pounds. Demarcus Lawrence is 260-something pounds. Doris Armstrong's in the 250s. So I think it was a favorable matchup. I'm not ready to sit here and say it's fixed yet, though, Mike, just because we got a few one-on-one shots down the field to Christian Watson and ran the ball. Well, because what will happen now is defenses will adjust to – that reality and it'll be harder for Christian Watson to run free and they'll load up a little bit more against the defense and like you said some of these teams they're going to be seeing may be better suited to shutting down the run but I think just like with so many other teams it's a common theme and maybe we need to be far more sensitive to it generally across the board everyone in the media than we are if a team can't run the ball it makes it so much harder to throw the ball and we rattled off the stats earlier this week it was the highest percentage of running plays that the Packers have had with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. They had their highest percentage of play action when they did throw on Sunday since 2020. Right. That's the key. If you're running the ball well, you do play action, yeah. you freeze the second level, and you take the steam out of a Micah Parsons, and, and you find a Christian Watson. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Josh they Allen. They don't need a run game, but that's how good well, they are. Well, and they're that's right. Yeah. No, you're right. right. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right. But it, yeah. but what do we say? What do we say from time to time? Yeah, when they it's too much. Man, they, too didn't, much. they need to run. They need to run more. Yeah. We're relying too much on these guys to go out and save the agreed. team. But. No, agreed. Agreed. I, I was just having fun with you there. I mean, you, you, your, I your point's still But even for them. Very much but even real. for them. That's you got to have point. something. Yeah. You're right. They got to have Kadarius Tony speed sweeps, a screen, stuff like that to take a little pressure off. So, yeah, we will see. I mean, Dallas, again, a really good defense, you know, causes turnovers, all that, you know, but to your point, too, because they're smaller, they got people in the box, they put themselves in some man-to-man situations where, you know, again, Rodgers was, okay, there's, you know, there's, there's great reward here and there's little risk, right? And that's the one thing that he's comfortable with. Again, I'm not going to say it's all fixed in the passing game. Running game is solid. We know that. And they're very well coached, and they always do the right thing. But I'm not going to say the passing game is fixed until I see a 20-yard in cut, you know, in between two defenders and it's put in the hole there or the crossing route with somebody trailing them by just a foot or so and Aaron Rodgers throws the missile in there. There's still reluctance to do that even when I watch the film of this pass game where you just go, man – Again, you're you're Aaron Rodgers. Your arm is still top notch. You got to throw that in there, right there. But you know, Just looking at missile. the rush and being too conservative is certainly still an issue there. Just a missile. Just you're a missile. Yeah, you're just a missile. Me. Just a missile. He's not a piss missile. No, no, not a piss missile. He's, he's he doesn't no. got that Josh Allen Mahomes piss missile action right now. Nope. 
Can't put them after in Sunday's <laughs> overtime win over the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers admitted to having some frustration mm. with head coach Matt LaFleur. And it took me back to after LaFleur got the job, how Rodgers very expertly turned it into a public thing about the freedom that he would have at the line of scrimmage to change the play. It was the audible thing. And I, I, I could just sense LaFleur was exasperated by this whole thing, that it was just already out of his control because Rodgers knew how to work it through the media to get his message out there. He was more direct with his message after the win over the Cowboys about frustrations late in the game with LaFleur's decisions. Here's Rodgers from Sunday. Aaron, what were you so upset about in the last round of regulation there coming off? Just every single play call, probably. Is there a reason those play calls were upsetting to you? Yeah, I feel like we were like 30 yards from end of the game in regulation and also felt like it was two minutes so I was going to be calling those and I was in a pretty good rhythm obviously didn't have a ton of attempts tonight but felt like I was in a pretty good rhythm I felt like I threw the ball just about exactly where I wanted to tonight and so I wanted a chance to go win the game he wanted to get the game over so he could go uh, rob, uh, rob a bank somewhere again I kind of all black. I like the all black. Every Sunday. I know. It's kind of funny. (laughs) I don't know what's changed them. But, yeah, here's the sequence of play calling. It certainly wasn't aggressive. That's for sure. You know, uh, I mean, they they were running the ball. But do you blame them, Mike? I mean, that's where I'll go like, wait, you're, you know, you're Green Bay Packers. Your offense hasn't been good all year long. You've talked about, you know, young guys not being able to trust them and people not doing the right thing. And you're coming off a game where you just turned the ball over a bunch of times, and you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, who are famous for making teams turn the ball over. So I, I I'm not gonna sit there and like, you know, be mad at Matt Lafleur for making that decision right there in that moment. I'm fine with it. I I think that, to me, how aggressive you are in a situation like that is driven so much by whether you're home or away. Yeah, because if you're at home and you know you're going to overtime, yeah, it's I a different feel better feel. about being conservative and being careful. Because one false move in that moment gives the Cowboys a chance to have a walk-off field goal, and you never get to overtime. But I'm more comfortable going to overtime with my home fan, my home crowd, my home field. I, I you know, it just over time. We, if we're going to pay any attention to analytics over time, I would suspect that most teams have a better chance of winning overtime games at home than on the road. And so you're going to be a little more careful. Why wouldn't you be more careful? So I don't have a problem with that at all. If they were in Dallas for that, I'd be saying, why weren't you slinging yeah, it down going the field for it. trying to steal this? Thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they scored their touchdown that tied the game with, with too much time left to even consider going for two, but it's that same mindset. If you would score a touchdown at the very end of regulation and you have to decide to go for one and force overtime or two and win it, for me, the rule of thumb is if I'm home, I'm more likely to take one. If I'm on the road, I'm more likely to take two and just end it there. And also, like how tired is my team? How banged up is my team? What plays do I have left? Do I feel confident that I can stop a touchdown on the first drive overtime? Right. Other factors yeah, go into it. Right. But the frontline factor for me is home or away. Yeah. And I think it was smart for them to be to be conservative in that moment. Uh, and it worked. It worked. And I, in that moment, he was pissed because, you know, he's thinking we got overtime. We're just going to concede and they're going to beat us. But uh, LaFleur was right 
and and his plan was vindicated. Yeah, I mean he was, and and I, I you know I think your point is real. You know I think the talk of you know last week and there's been mistakes on the offensive side of the ball from them all year long. The Cowboys they create chaos and plays, and that's what they do. You add that into wait in the fourth quarter, you kind of controlled the football game, Green Bay. Dallas was having a hard time moving the ball consistently. You take that into account. Hey, Joe Barry, defensive coordinator. Hey, yeah, we, we got a good – I got a good feel for him right now. We got him. We kind of know we, – we know what they're trying to do almost always. So you know, I, I understand that logic. I do. Uh, the way the defense was playing and the way they were running the football and kind of controlling the line of scrimmage there, um, I understand it. You know, one thing I think that would have been questioned would have been like – whoa, wait, we're getting in shotgun and throwing the ball against a team that's amazing at rushing the passer and creating tips and interceptions, and we're the team that's kind of been doing that and getting sacked, and we got a quarterback that won't be aggressive and necessarily throw the ball into tight windows and do all that right now. I, I think when you add all that together, I, I, I totally understand Matt LaFleur's decision. Yeah, and bottom line is they get the win. They're 4-6. and six. There's still a long way to go. I'm still getting used I know, to the right? 17 games. That Jeez. extra game really Ten makes weeks. it seem so different. I mean, they still have s- seven games left. Yeah. They've played 10, and they've got seven games to go. Their bye is very late, and uh, that, that, that can be a, a positive or a negative. I mean, some teams are going to peak too soon, and some teams are going to have an extra chance to figure their stuff out, get to the playoffs, and then be very dangerous in January. And I continue to believe the Packers – far more dangerous if they get their issues ironed out and get in as a wild card than if they're one seed and they're all tight. And, you know, we've seen it the last two years. They're a little tight. You're, yeah. you're worried about screwing up instead of just going out there and being loose like they were with the six seed back in 2010. Right. And they went on the road and won, on the road and won, on the road and won, and then won the Super Bowl. And, and uh, hey, hey, uh, the prospect of – Two-seeded Vikings hosting the seven-seeded Packers is not a pleasant thought for anyone who is still enjoying Minnesota's win over the Bills from a few days ago because that would be the ultimate, the ultimate dagger in that rivalry to have the Packers roll in and, and completely destroy yeah. what Vikings fans are thinking is a special. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939 season all right the Buccaneers can still have a special season they're another team that can create havoc in the postseason and I believe more in them right now frankly than the Packers oh definitely I'm with you there sudden, Mike right all of a sudden they're the team they were two years ago the defense is playing well they're getting production in the running game Rashad White they're using just enough of him to piss off Leonard Fournette just enough to play better than he was Tom Brady is still Tom Brady but there was an interesting item yesterday on JoeBucksFan.com where Bruce Arians the senior advisor to the general manager that we haven't heard or seen much from since week two when he instigated the fight between Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore he talked about the three-game losing streak and he mentioned that he conversed with Byron Leftwich offensive coordinator every day when the when they were losing games. He doesn't read the papers. Nothing bothers Byron. That's what I love about him. That's why I'll be a damn good head coach one day. 
He weathers everything. Todd Bowles does too, but I don't think it was fair to Byron. Nobody is going to say that Tom Brady was playing bad, but he was playing bad. We also had growing pains on a young offensive line, and we weren't running well. But, you know, that reminds me of 2020. Yeah. Arians was calling Brady out right. every week. and He's got to hit you know, that. Hey, they He's won the hit Super Bowl. That. He can't do that. They, they won the Super Bowl. Right. He was blaming interceptions on him that weren't his fault. Uh, yeah. Balls that went right. off the hands of the receiver were Brady's fault. What the hell was gotta that? got to hang in there and throw but the it, ball. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. But it worked. And, and you know, I, I don't know how this came to be. That Apparently, and uh, there's another item just posted this morning on JoeBucksFan.com that Bruce Arians spent some time in the hospital. He's having chest pains. He's fine. Everything's good. This was back around the time they played Atlanta. Maybe one of the reasons he's kind of slipped out of focus. He didn't go to Germany for the game against the Seahawks, and he did an interview with Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com. So he's, he's kind of back in the mix now. Yeah, but, good. Hey, good. you know, I, I mean – I, look, you got this guy on your on your team. He's got a very vague and amorphous role. But maybe there's times where he can do something to give a little uh-huh. tweak here, a uh-huh. little push there, and yeah. get people a little extra focused and fired up. I, I think that's what is missed in that team a little bit to a degree. You can say what you want. I mean, he gave the Bucks edge, you know, an edge the last two years. I think he was that guy. I think he did make the Bucks tough and edgy and, you know, wait, they said, what about us? You know, screw them. It's us against the world. They, they, Bruce is, I think, great that way. You know, I, I think he is. And then driving players kind of the same way and knowing how to needle them. And, yeah, I, I'm sure there's somewhat something tactical, let alone he's sticking up for his friends and Byron Leftwich and, and uh, of course, Todd Bowles. And then also – just speaking the reality. I mean, I'm disappointed because I want to go, Bruce, and apparently you're not watching me very much because I was trying to point out some of these problems. We were showing that on this show, right? I mean, it's a little bit what we talked about with Rodgers, a reluctance to hang in there and throw the ball down the pot and down the field, you know, and then not, nothing there. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, watching the rush, maybe not as much as Aaron Rodgers, but like just never giving any chance for a play to develop like, Oh, the underneath throws open. Let me throw it. But yeah, you're protected and there's going to be a guy wide open. Like why, why are we doing that? There was a lot of that. And that's what Bruce Arians, I think bothered him in 2020 when he was kind of needling Tom Brady a little, but yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. You know, that when the Bucks struggle, nobody ever blames Tom Brady. Never. And it's never on, on him. And I'm sure the team and everybody gets sick of that a little bit, for sure. But, you know, Bruce Arians is there to kind of let people know. And I don't know if it really has any tactical advantage now, but and I think he's just trying to stick up for his guys as it is as it stands right now. But was Brady getting a pass? I don't think we were giving him a pass. No, that's I what really I was just saying. We were the only that's why else. I said Bruce right. wasn't watching yeah. us. We weren't yeah. giving him yeah. a pass. Well, you Bruce. Know, I, Hi Bruce. Uh, hey Bruce. I showed a few plays on the football night in America, you know, early in the year, going like, Hey, here's people open. We we showed it in Pittsburgh and Carolina. You know, there was a number of plays in those two games where they were upset and, and beat. You know, of course the game where he went to see Mr. Kraft in the wedding on a Friday night, I mean he played like crap in that game. You know, it was apparent. Anybody that really kind of knew football and, oh, you know, the reads and against that defense, like Big Ben was talking about, he didn't even look like he wanted to be there. You know, so, but nobody ever really, you know, puts it on him. And, and I'm sure that frustrates guys down there. Well, people were tiptoeing on eggshells, too, because he was dealing with a yeah, the personal pretty stuff. significant personal yeah, No question. Issue. And another thing that Arian said that caught my attention. Yeah. Last week in practice was the first time he saw Brady smile. All right, at right. Practice this year. Yeah. So, you know, the 
That's a lot. I feel for Brady. To the Ravens, where things kind of bottomed out. Yep. That's when the divorce was announced. And, you know, at some point you turn the corner. At some point things boomerang in a positive direction. It can't get any worse. It can only get better. And uh, so it's getting better for the Bucks. It is. They're going to win that division. Right. I, I mean, I'd be shocked. What? Shocked. What? If the Falcons overtake the Buccaneers. No the way. The Buccaneers are going to leave Atlanta in the dust. Atlanta, I don't know how Atlanta's even in shouting distance, Bob, <laughs> I know, frankly, I know. after that shit show we saw last Thursday night <laughs> in Charlotte. But uh, the, the Buccaneers are going to run away with that division. Agreed. And they'll be, they'll be the four seed. Maybe, hey, they got the tiebreaker with the Seahawks now. Maybe they'll be the three seed. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Kirk Cousins, <laughs> he's going to go from Aaron Rodgers one week to Tom Brady the next week. Oh, boy. Well, uh, the thing After what them- I saw on Sunday, though, I ain't, I'm not – I'm Kirk, I'm, I'm not – I'm not going to – I'm not going to just assume that he's going to crumple. That's right. That's will. right. Stick up. That's your quarterback. Like Stick up for him. That's 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 right, but you know, we'll see. Cleveland, I mean, uh, Tampa Bay still got some some games on their schedule. We know New Orleans gives them an issue. They got to play them again. They got the Forty ers and the Bengals, um, but you know, other than that, it is favorable. Cardinals, Panthers, Falcons, Browns. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to think that they're easily going to win the division. And Mike, I agree with you too. They're dangerous to me. They're the team, you know. Oh. Uh, that defense with it healthy now again. That's the that was the story of the game more than anything to me. The defense dominating the Seahawks, big play offense, what they've done to teams, you know, making explosive plays, run game, pass game on just about everybody, and they couldn't do Jack Diddley's squat against Tampa Bay. So they play D like that, run the ball a little like you were talking about. We know Brady that'll make him feel comfortable off a play action pass. It's not a complicated formula there. That's what they did at the end of the season to win the Super Bowl. That's kind of how they played. It was kind of conservative on offense. Play action pass, run the ball, play D. That's all it was. We'll see if they can get back into that. And remember how they were coming out of their bye two years ago, seven and five on the way in, right? Unbeaten on the way out Exploded. this year, five and five on the way in, and it sure helps to have Akeem Hicks with Vita Vea. No question. You can't have one Woo. run stopper. You got to have two. Woo. They're now, they're he's killers. Gotta stay healthy. Yeah, but you know, seven more games. I know. Chances are one of those two guys is going to get banged up at some point, and I that's what not. teams have to deal with. Yep. But you know that that's kind of the common thread. The Packers off the mat. The Buccaneers off the mat, and one of the keys is they're healthy. Their key guys are healthy. Yep. The more your key guys are healthy, the easier it is to win football games in the NFL. It's cliche, but it's true. Another thing that's true that people are having a hard time processing, the commanders are in the thick of things in the NFC playoff chase. We talked earlier this week how it's quite possible every team from the AFC East is getting in, and every team from the NFC East could get in. Right now, the commanders are just outside the seventh seed, but they got to five and five on Monday night with that upset win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's Ron Rivera on the factors that he will consider when determining the starting quarterback once Carson Wentz is healthy again. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the momentum. You have to look at you know what 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 the mood of the team is. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into it, John. A lot of things that I'll have to discuss with Scott and and Kenny for that matter. You know, you you look at what is best for the team, and at the end of the day, that's how it has to be. You know, you there's a great saying: you treat everybody the same, you treat everybody fair, but you treat everybody according to the team, and and that's what this is about. So, the decision being made will be about the team first and foremost, 
Um, you know, and, and one thing that I've always done is, is whoever the starter is, you know, I'm going to commit to them fully. And, and I, cause I don't want them looking over the shoulder. I want them to understand this is the opportunity and this is where we're going with it. So whatever the decision is made after, you know, my conversations today and tomorrow morning, that's what we're sticking to. Well, that's easier said than done because again, it's hard to reconcile what's best for the team with making the starting quarterback believe that he's the guy and he's not looking over his shoulder. It's best for the team that he's not looking over his shoulder, but at some point it may be best for the team to go to the other guy. If you're guided by what's best for the team, if the guy is urinating and or defecating down his leg, you go to the other guy. So, And I don't know why we're even having this conversation. How is it not Taylor Heineke? No, that, that's is the he point, just being Mike. respectful to point. Carson Wentz? I don't know. Why are we even talking about uh, this? Th- that, that, to me, is the point. That, that, that is exactly right. I would just want to go, well, everything you just said there is Taylor Heineke. So stop delaying it and making this a little bit more of an issue than it is. You know, and I, I know Ron Rivera. He's going to come out today, and it, it's going to get squashed. I mean, he is going to make some sort he, he, he was referring to today, right, uh, as far as a decision he's going to make here. But... Uh, well, somebody's getting the reps. Somebody's getting the reps in practice, right? Right. Well, and, and is Carson Wentz officially cleared? Is, it, is that official to where he can start practicing? I, I wasn't sure if it was 100%. I thought there was maybe another week here. He was going to have to wait. But, but yes, he's not cleared yet. He is not cleared yet. Right. So the decision I, doesn't have to be made until he's cleared. No, but to That's your point. That's the other thing, too. He's just not cleared. The 100% rule. Right. He's not healthy. Right. He's not, just have the doctor mess with that finger enough to to give him a little setback and he won't be cleared for another couple of weeks. Well, it can buy you some more time decision. Right. Maybe to to read this. And and it makes it easier for the decision to be made if Taylor Heineke all of a sudden doesn't have it anymore. Then you're not really benching him. He's just no longer as hot as he was, so we got to flip it back to Carson Wentz. I mean, if you can milk this this injury as long as you can while Heineke's playing well, that's the way to do it. Yeah, well, yes. And, and I would think, again, that they got Houston and Atlanta on the schedule, definitely winnable games for them to where they're they're the more talented team on the field. There's no question about that. The only thing that can hurt the commanders is their offensive line, and, and you, we're seeing they're, they're playing better as of late. I mean, they've won three out of four, and, you know, three out of four and, and really should be four out of four. Outplayed your Minnesota Vikings, and I don't mean that in any disrespect. I'm not trying to play. They outplayed them. You know, they they just made some some vital mistakes at the very end of the game. Heineke threw had a wide open receiver down the middle, threw the ball five feet over his head. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. So, but I, I'm with you, Mike. That I, I I wouldn't even make this a conversation right now. And you know, why can't you go back? Why don't you just say Taylor Heineke right now? Believe in it. Go with it. If he plays like crap the next three games, and you go into your bye week, then you make the switch. No one's gonna sit here and go, "Oh man, they benched Taylor Heineke. What's going on there in Washington?" But I think it's clearly that he's the guy right now. But I really do think there's a way to finesse this if you're Ron Rivera where you push it back, push it back, you keep going for Taylor Heineke, and it'll either resolve itself in a negative way for Heineke or a positive. Yes, He'll keep playing well Mm -hmm. or he won't. But when you peek ahead here, like you said, they're at Houston this week, then they have the Falcons at home, then it's at the Giants going into their bye. And, uh, you know, maybe the idea is just ride it out with Heineke. They should win the next two. If they beat the Giants or, or at least don't embarrass themselves against the Giants, then then maybe it's Heineke coming out They'll of the bye. Out of the bye, it's not then, easy. Yeah. They got the Giants sandwich. Yeah. They got Giants by Giants. Then at the 49ers, who, boy, good luck with that. The Browns, 
uh, at home, and then Week 18 against yeah. the Cowboys. So there's some tough. And remember, the Browns by Week 17 are going to have Deshaun Watson. So there's some tough games. They got two easy. Two winnable games. I don't want to call them easy because yeah, the, you know, the Texans aren't horrible. The Texans could beat them. The Texans, the Texans have not been embarrassed yet. No, in any they game. were tied at halftime versus the Eagles, like like we discussed. You're right. They're, they're, they're yeah. Not. And so yeah, Washington hasn't it, shown but, us the the prowess to blow anybody out. Right. Just like the and Giants. It gets t- it's anybody. just going to get tough. The yeah. last five games. The last five games are going to get tough. Giants twice. Cowboys. 49ers, Browns with Deshaun Watson. That it's going to be hard for them to hold it together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. We're going to see if they're legit. We're going to see if they're they're playoff worthy. You know, I I do think they're a team that that is got a lot of playoff caliber traits. When you got a defense like that, like we talked about yesterday, that D line. There's no team in football that the Washington Commanders will play. That will they're going to go in a game and go. Oh no, we're just outmatched up front on the defensive line. We can't stop the run. We won't be able to rush the passer. Nobody. They can almost dominate every offensive line in football. They're that special up there. We know they got weapons. They're kind of creative. Heineke's got a little magic about them. Now they're running the ball a little bit. Uh, I I could see them making a little run here and making this real interesting and you know making. That second team in the NFC West a little nervous here about oh gosh we got to keep winning football games is it the 49ers or the Seahawks because you know Washington the Giants and the Cowboys are all you know in the thick of things in the NFC East. It's going to be a, a fun ride over the next eight weeks. Yeah, it's just I I don't know how many years it's going to take for me to get used to this 17th game and probably by the time I get used to it, you know what's going to happen there's going to be an 18th. Well, it's just amazing how one extra game makes the season feel like there's a little more wiggle room for mistakes and like like just getting your feet underneath you as a football team. It, it's really amazing that it's changed the perspective like that. Where now September was always crucial and now it's like we added an extra game where it was like, well, we, we can take a few weeks of kind of like preseason, regular season football in September. Just because of one game, and I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm literally trying to figure it out why it's like that, but it's, it is fascinating. Well, and it becomes crucial as it relates to tiebreakers. Yes, it, it does. I mean, look, the, the, the Vikings may uh, woefully regret the performance they had week two Monday night in Philadelphia because that may force them to go back there at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. A game from four and we know that early. don't work out so well when you got to go right. back there in the playoffs. We know it doesn't work so good. <laughs> my, my my son, my son, uh, Dan gave the stat. You guys gave a statue to Nick Foles. Jeez, uh, holy cow! <laughs> wherever the uh, wherever the uh, NFC Championship game is if the Vikings somehow, some way, earn the chance to go zero and eight in the NFC Championship since their last Super Bowl appearance in nineteen seventy six. He's going to go, and he said, even if it's in Philly, I'm going to go. Wow! And he's going to, I'll go. Gonna, I'll go if it's the Giants. He's going to. He's going to Min- wear his colors. If it's Minnesota, he's going to wear his colors to Philly. And I said, you're not wearing your. Colors. No, you can't do that, Alex. You're you're going to go home with two black eyes and some broken fingers and stuff like that you can't do that in philadelphia please don't uh but uh but if minnesota hosts and has the giants come to town for like the nfc championship let's do it i'm there we'll go hey we don't have a show that night let's we could have some fun i'll root for the giants i won't get beat up if i wear a giants jersey in minnesota those fans seem somewhat nice and we can have a good time. that's right they're very nice they're very nice they're very polite 
and uh, unless they lose, unless you're you're responsible for the heart being ripped out and shown to the Vikings, oh, mom, she <laughs> yeah. style once again in an NFC championship game. I, I used to worry when like, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, rabid fan living and dying with the way my son is now. That's the other thing that makes this so special. He is as nuts over the top obsessed as I was back at that age like yeah. you know he's texting me during the game i can't breathe i'm gonna vomit he told me at one point he was in the barn he was like laying on the floor in the back room of the barn like he just couldn't function like he didn't know what to do in that you know like when it's going to overtime like what do you do like how do you feel in this like I, can this just be over that's how i used to feel but anyway um what was my point oh yeah I mean, he's just he's, he's all in so we'll go we'll be there hopefully maybe giants vikings or whoever vikings we're determined. We've made the pact that we're going to go. And, yeah, we don't have a game that weekend. We'll just have to do a show on Monday from somewhere in Minnesota. And yeah. that'd be great. That's another reason for you to go. Yeah, you're right. You can find someplace up there. And yeah. you can be – oh, that. you know what, though? Boy, that, that you will be as insufferable as you are normally. <laughs> the morning after the Giants beat the Vikings oh, to advance yeah. to the Super Bowl, we're going <laughs> yeah. to show in Minnesota would be the worst. Oh, I think I'd be really. sick that day. You would be. It would be Phil Simms jerseys, Danny Dime jerseys, Saquon jerseys, just rubbing it in your face, yelling G-Men the whole show. Yeah, that would, it wouldn't be good for you. <laughs> there, there, there is there is a, a dose. I, I hate calling it revenge because how dare you do your job and win a football game. But that 41 nothing. Oh, yeah, I know. That was a great day. Season, great that, day. That still stings. Damn, I know. Uh, I was there. I tailgated. Gosh, the game was over by the time my buzz ran off. It was, it was amazing. I was like, man, I had a few beers. I was feeling good. And I was going, man, it's, it's the second quarter. It's 28 nothing. Minnesota didn't show up that day. It, it was over. It was over when Troy Walters watched the kick hit the hit grass. The ground. They had grass right. at the time. They it did. hit the grass and bounced backward, and the Giants recovered. And it was fourteen nothing, just like that. Yes. Then it was. It was done. done. It was done. But 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 that day was less painful than the day two years earlier when the Vikings lost in overtime to Atlanta to the Falcons, right. proving what I was saying over and over again in the viewing room on Sunday. I'd rather lose by forty points. And I would. I'd rather lose by 40 than have that that game of up and down, back and forth roller coaster end with the the Bills winning, which uh, I still can't believe. I still can't believe that game. Yeah, I still can't yeah. believe it. And the Vikings are underdogs at home against the Cowboys wow. on Sunday. Wow. How about that? Yeah. I, I'm i not shocked. You know, I, I mean, it, it's surprising, but it's not shocking, I guess. You know, you think a team that's that record at home, they'd probably be a – you know, I would thought maybe a one point favorite, something like that. But again, I think a lot of people see what you know. We've discussed with Minnesota. There hasn't been an elite football game to talk about as of yet that they've put together where you just went, "Oh man, that looked like a team that can go and win the Super Bowl." I give them credit; they're winning the games, they're hanging around there. But I think that's why you know people like me and even yourself before last week, we we're question you're questioning that as well. They've had some shamrocks up their butts, some horseshoes up their butts, and, you know, uh, and of course made a few plays too. I don't want to take that away from them, but, you know, it, it's been a, a little lucky or favorable in, in the way things have shook, shook out for the, the Vikings. The big difference, though, is that when it all goes sideways now, yeah. they find a way to dig deep and overcome and it. Hang in. Past years, 
Once it would go sideways, the air would go out of the balloon, and that would be it, and it's done, and it's not their day. So they have an organizational resilience that they have not had in years, where no matter how it goes, they're going to find a way. And they are one-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. We'll do the Full Picks podcast on Thursday. And and look, I, I'm not going to rub it in your face too much tomorrow that I picked the Vikings to beat the Bills because I was operating under the assumption that Case Keenum was going to play. I never would have picked the Vikings to win that game if I knew Josh Allen was going to play, ever. So I got lucky. I had a shamrock up my butt yeah. last week yeah, because we know. I fell for the idea that it was going to be Case Keenum and not Josh Allen. Let's go ahead and take a break. Some injury updates when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 